From the brains behind Teal the Show, this is Teal the Podcast, your source for Jaguars news and analysis with NFL insider Mark Brunel and your host, Cole Pepper. Hello and welcome into Teal the Podcast. I'm Cole Pepper. Coming up, we'll hear from Mark Brunel on what he thinks the Jaguars can do to salvage this season, if it's salvageable. We'll also talk a little bit about the Dante Fowler move and whether the trade of the former third pick of the draft uh, tells us more than just the Jaguars that decided they weren't bringing him back next year. Also, we'll start to look ahead a little bit to, to the second half of the season. Of course, with the bye week this week, uh, the Jaguars sort of are where they are and uh, have a lot of work to do for sure. A four-game losing skid, they not only didn't win the second quarter of the season, they didn't win a single game in the second quarter of the season. And I'll also give you some thoughts on what I experienced uh, my first trip to London for the game at Wembley, uh, a couple of thoughts that I have there. But let's start first with Mark Brunel and his comments uh, about what the Jaguars can do in the second half of the year. Is it possible to salvage this season, Mark? I think most Jaguar fans right now would say absolutely not. There's no chance sitting at the AFC South third position that they can recover and get to the playoffs. I'm going to have to disagree. I know it's going to be very tough for the Jaguars to get back into this thing, but if you look at this team right now, obviously the defense has not lived up to expectations. They're on the field too much. They're being asked to do a lot. And then on the other side of the ball, of course, the offense is absolutely struggling. We have no running game. Blake Bortles is struggling at the quarterback position. Too many drop passes, too many turnovers. Things are not going well on both sides of the ball. We have on-the-field issues, and now we have some off-the-field issues. Clearly some frustrations going on in the Jaguar locker room. But this is why I think that the season is salvageable. Number one, we've done it before. In 1996, we were three and six. Now, I don't like to be that former player that says, hey, when I played, we were able to do this. But you know what? In this case, I'm going to do it. Because in 1996, we were a team that was struggling. We were turning the ball over quite a bit. And it really started with this guy right here. Too many interceptions. We weren't running the ball very well. The defense was struggling. We were in absolute disarray. And guess what? There were some frustrations in the locker room. There was some infighting. There were some guys going at it. Things were said in the media. Things were happening in the locker room. Does that sound familiar? It's exactly what's happened with the Jacksonville Jaguars right now. So, what, what did we decide to do? We decided to take it one game at a time. We got to three and we were three and six. We got to four and six. Then we ended up four and seven and made a run. So it can happen. That team that was three and six got to the AFC championship game. But how did that happen? It happened because we had a lot of good leadership. Clyde Simmons, Tony Baselli, Keenan McCardell, some guys that really stepped up. We had a team meeting and said, listen, we're just going to take it one game at a time and see what happens we were able to turn around. The other reason is because the schedule going forward is very favorable. Really, there's only a couple teams that present some challenges uh, offensively. Obviously, the Pittsburgh Steelers, who we play at home, and then the Washington Redskins, who we also play at home. Two good offenses, but it's important to understand that our defense is good enough to get this team to the playoffs. The question is, can the offense turn around, take care of the ball, run the football? Can Blake Bortles turn this thing around and get into a rhythm, manage the game, and put up some points. I believe they can. Listen, the schedule is favorable, and we do have some leadership. Calais Campbell, Brandon Linder, of course. Uh, Leonard Fournette will be back in the lineup. The key is one game at a time, 
The next opponent is the Indianapolis Colts. We could beat the Indianapolis Colts. Is this season salvageable? Absolutely. The Jaguars can do it. Of course, the Jaguars also did make a trade just before the trade deadline on Tuesday, sending Dante Fowler to the Los Angeles Rams for a pair of picks, a third-round pick in the upcoming April draft, and a fifth-round pick in the 2020 draft. I have some thoughts on this. First, from a strict getting value out of a pick standpoint, we can look at this from two ways. One, Dante Fowler was the third pick of the draft in 2015. He was injured and didn't play in his first year. Didn't do much in his first season on the field, his second year in the NFL. Then his third year, last season, eight sacks in the regular season, sacked Tom Brady twice in the AFC Championship game, so ten sacks in the course of the year. And you started to think, hey, maybe he's turned the quarter. Maybe he's figured some things out. Fowler has tremendous physical tools. Never played particularly smart and didn't look like he ever uh, – mastered a pass rush move. Uh, that was the one thing when you get a guy who's the third pick of the draft, uh, and I've covered some top draft picks. You know, you certainly talk about Tony Brackens was a second-round pick, often played like a first-round pick, and you could see he had a sort of a signature move. Uh, I covered Derek Thomas in Kansas City, guy who was a top-five pick. Derek Thomas had a signature move. Unique Ngakwe has developed signature moves. Fowler never became a refined pass rusher, and... That's one of the reasons why he only had two sacks this year. Just never really was much of a factor this season in the Jaguars as far as, far as the pass rush is concerned. So now what? Uh, with Fowler, they weren't going to pick him up. Uh, they did not pick up his uh, fifth-year option before his fourth year this year. They wanted to see something more. He didn't show them. I mean, here's a guy who's the third pick of the draft, and in a contract year, not only does he get suspended in the preseason for a game, he was already going to serve a suspension in the opener for what happened the previous offseason and never really made plays. I mean, if you sit here and think about the plays that Dante Fowler made, you might think of him getting a hand on Tom Brady, getting the sack of Brady uh, this year. He did, well, he did well against Tom Brady, three sacks in, in the last two seasons. But other than that, I mean, I, I struggle to think of an impact play he made this year. He wasn't on the field a whole lot, uh, just a handful of snaps more than Taven Bryan was. Uh, and I actually think you're probably likely to see Laurenti McRae take uh, some uh, opportunity to, to play some of that defensive end spot, backing up Yannick Ngakwe. I think you're also going to see more of Ngakwe playing that position going forward. I think it also tells us quite a bit that the Jaguars didn't add anybody in free agency. Sometimes you're a buyer, sometimes you're a seller. And at this point with the Jaguars, you would think that they would be uh, trying to assess who they are and where they're going. After that win against the New England Patriots, if you would have told me the Jaguars would not add anybody in a trade before the trade deadline, uh, I would have been shocked. Now, to be fair, they did add Carlos Hyde. You know, that was a couple weeks ago before the trade deadline. So, all right, they added one player. Um, they picked up Eric Flowers off the street after he was cut by the Giants. Uh, it's hard. When you sit here and look at Demarius Thomas, a 30-year-old wide receiver, Denver trades him away. Uh, Golden Tate gets traded away by Detroit. So there were some wide receivers that were available out there, but I think what it says is that the Jaguars brass does not believe that they are one player away, one receiver away from being back to being a contending team. 
I, I agree with that, by the way. I don't think they are. I think they have so many issues on offense. I think they have so many issues with the culture right now. Uh, with the fa- And Doug Marone admitted this uh, when he talked to us after the game in London. He said, the players are not listening to what I'm saying. They're not. Th- my message is not getting through, was his quote. Some of that's on the coach. A lot of it's on the players because his message got through last year, seemingly. Uh, I think the players started thinking a lot of themselves, and I think you had a, a you missed some steadying influences. You, you missed, you know, it's not as simple as saying Paul Pazlesny and Mercedes Lewis would have made a difference, their presence here. But I think their presence has been missed in the Jaguars' locker room. Uh, there are other guys, Calais Campbell and Malik Jackson and Telvin Smith, who have you know taken leadership from that team, but the guys on offense who have who were you know anticipated to be the leaders, Bortles struggled a lot this year. Brandon Linder, not a big vocal guy. Fournette, absolutely expected to be a leader on offense. He, his presence is known in the huddle. Marquise Lee was going to be the veteran at wide receiver. Cam Robinson is a guy who makes a difference. His physical presence, uh, the way he goes about things, you know when Cam's in that huddle. And those guys are injured. So the Jaguars don't have a lot of vocal leadership, guys who have established what they're going to be on that side of the football. So where do they go from here? Uh, let's paint two different scenarios. One is going to be the scenario of what the Jaguars think they can be. And the other is where they might slide to. So maybe the optimistic and the pessimistic. The optimistic says, hey, if they get Leonard Fournette back after the bye week, they can have a little more of a physical presence there. If Bortles can play more often like he did against the Eagles in Wembley, which I thought he was, you know, had a, had a good game. Wasn't a great game, but had a good game. Very efficient. Um, not enough in the red zone, but very efficient in terms of you know, accuracy of his passes, uh, moving the chains with his legs when needed. You can win if this defense is making plays, as they did against the Eagles, and if the Jaguars are running the football, you can win with that kind of play out of Blake Bortles. So you get Fournette back, pair him with Carlos Hyde. After a week of soul-searching, you get back to how you're going to be on offense, how physical you can be, how much you're going to try to grind it out and win a you know 24-21 game, win a 19-17 game, heck, win a 9-6 game, whatever. Uh, that the Jaguars, that's how they're going to have to do it. Defensive score, defense sets up a score, special teams plays well. Uh, the other components to what the Jaguars wanted to do really came through in that London game. Josh Lambeau's kicking long field goals. Logan Cook is punting them down close to their own end early on. Defense is forcing turnovers. I mean, Carson Wentz, well, you you, when you compare where he is to where Blake Bortles is, well, you take Carson Wentz in a second. The danger is that Bortles isn't going to be consistent, that Fournette may not stay on the field if he does get back on the field, that the offensive line is not as physical as they thought they were going to be. Andrew Norwell hasn't lived up to the price tag. And the defense is now you know, at danger of being in a position where uh, because of the injuries in the defensive backfield, that they can't stop enough guys you know, on third down, can't get them off the field. I mean, I can see very easily this team being a 6-10 and 10 team. 
And if you had told me before the season began that 6-10 and 10 was going to be in play at midseason, I would have been shocked. I also would have been shocked that they would have had the number of players on injured reserve that they've had. Although, after having not so many last year, to have more this year, maybe not a huge surprise. It sort of seems like it's all or nothing uh, with injuries sometimes in the National Football League. So that's where the Jaguars stand right now. Uh, I did want to spend a little bit of time talking about what the London experience was like. Uh, first of all, the game itself, being inside that stadium, was it had a feel like uh, not like a regular season game. If you, a, if you took a bowl game, a Super Bowl, and uh, a Pro Bowl and wrapped it into one, that's sort of what it felt like. It did have a big game feel. I would not at all be surprised if at some point they hold a Super Bowl in, in at Wembley. I would, that would not shock me at all. They had eighty five thousand in there. Uh, it's a it's a state of the art building. Um, it can it can hold a lot of folks. There are a lot of you know luxury boxes. They have done so much construction around Wembley. There were cranes everywhere. They continue to build between hotels and permanent residences, apartments, businesses. You could definitely do a Super Bowl in London. Um, Part of me says, why would you ever do that? Why would you take it out of the country? But it's very clear that Roger Goodell wants to grow the brand, and uh, having a Super Bowl in London, I think, would do that. Uh, it took about 45 minutes for me. Our hotel, just to give you a little bit of, a, of an inside, our hotel was about a five-minute walk from the stadium. It was right there in Wembley Park. When we walked out on Sunday morning, it took about 45 minutes for me to see every single NFL team represented by a jersey or a hat or a scarf or something. I think the last two that I saw were like the uh, the, the Jets and the Chargers. Um, saw a ton of Jaguars, of course. Saw a bunch of Eagles. A lot of those are Eagles fans who traveled. But uh, the one team I didn't see very much of, surprisingly, was the Steelers. Uh, you would have thought you would see more, but for some reason didn't see a lot of Steelers uh, over there. Maybe that's because they didn't want to uh, – Steeler fans didn't care about going to see – uh, the Eagles play, uh, or the Jaguars. But uh, the fans over there I spoke with aren't really pumped to have a, a team in London. They want games. They don't want a team. They want games. Uh, it, so, there, listen, there are a lot of Jaguars fans who have been developed overseas as a result of the Jaguars playing every year. And financially, I know it's been a, a good thing for the Jaguars. It's been good for the brand. And Shad wants to keep that going. Starting next year, they're going to play four games in London. They played three this year. They'll play two at Wembley and two at the new stadium at uh, the Premier League uh, Soccer Club, Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, so at Tottenham's new park, they'll play two, and they'll play two at Wembley. Um, I think in a best-case scenario for the Jaguars, they would play a home game and a road game in London. Back-to-back weeks. Um, be over there for one, you know, basically be there for – Ten days, play two games, come back, only lose one home game. Uh, as an owner of a Premier League team, Fulham, a club that for now is in the Premier League, they're facing relegation, Shot is not going to want to play uh, a game at Spurs. He wants, he'll wants he want to play both games at Wembley, a home game, road game, uh, and I think that would be fine. I think if the Jaguars start seeing multiple home games over there, I think you're going to have a real issue with the fans. I really do. Um, but two games away, hey, listen, most Jaguars fans enjoy the game on TV anyway. You have more people watching on TV than attending games most times. So uh, I think that's 
who cares if it's if it's a, a road game or a home game from that standpoint? It makes more money. But I think you have a lot of fans who, who are invested in the Jaguars' season tickets and so forth who would push back on that quite a bit. Uh, had a great time in London. It was cold. It was about 40 degrees for the low. But uh, had a great time over there with Matt Kingston, our producer. We walked. I, I wear a, a, a Garmin uh, watch that tracks your your movement and heart rate and so forth. Um, it's you know it's a runner's watch, and uh, both of us walked over 28 miles in the three and a half days we were there. Uh, walking to the tube, getting to different spots. You know we like to do our live shots from iconic places like Big Ben and Parliament and the London Eye and so forth. Um, so we did a lot of walking uh, as you would. Uh, the tube is. Uh, for those of you who have not been there, that's the the underground, the the subway. Uh, really remarkable uh, system. You can get just about anywhere in London, but everywhere takes about forty five minutes to get to. Uh, it, I did not take a London cab. Took a couple of Ubers, but uh, did not take a London cab. And we also had a great time going to both the uh, watch parties for the Georgia London Club and also the uh, Gators London Club for Florida Georgia. We spent the first half one place, second half the other. Um, it, Really had a great time while there, and I would recommend for any Jaguars fan who is thinking about it, go ahead, do it. Next year, make make plans. I think you'd really enjoy it. Make sure you have some fish and chips. Go to a soccer match. You know, have a pie and a pint while you're at the soccer match. Um, the best meal I had, actually, in the entire trip was actually in the London airport in Heathrow uh, on b- before our flight back. <laughs> and uh, it was a breakfast there. It was just tremendous. So... Uh, it's not the greatest culinary place ever, but you get some comfort foods. And um, I have some uh, some English friends, and so I had a chance to see them, and, and you get some local knowledge and so forth. And uh, we had a great time. And so if you get a chance, go ahead and do it. Now, as far as the future uh, for the Jaguars, we will be talking uh, here on Teal the Podcast about what comes next. Next week we're going to have uh, our uh, sort of uh, roundtable, Mark Brunell and I and some other folks will get together and kind of talk about a midseason review as we look forward to the second half of the season and the Jaguars who have to go 7-1 and one in the second half to match their record from last year, and I think that's probably what it's going to take to get into the playoffs. I think it's a tall task. I don't see it happening, and I think you may see some major changes after this year as far as the roster maybe the front office if that uh, does indeed uh, come to pass that the Jaguars don't make the playoffs after the run to the AFC Championship game a year ago. So let's spend a little time talking about what's happened so far and what's going to happen next. Uh, not where the Jaguars want to be. You talk about the record. I don't think anybody expected three and five when the season began. Cole, I was I, I thought six and two at the worst. Um, uh, three and five, uh, obviously that uh, surprises everyone. I think the hard part of the, about that is before the season, we heard how good the defense was going to be and how much better this team was. And, uh, and we believed it and we had every reason uh, to believe it now at three and five I think it just it, it just stings that much more um, very surprising at this point are you more disappointed by the defense or by the offense because statistically compared to the NFL the Jaguars defense is not certainly a struggling defense statistically they haven't been as dominant as they said they wanted to be uh, they haven't had the sacks and the big plays as much but it's not like they've been bottom third of the league the offense has really struggled the offense has struggles it has struggled, and there's reasons for it. They're, they're beat up. Uh, they don't have their, their number one running back. Lost Marquise Lee. Uh, offensive line has been decimated. And, um, and so that's, that's the root of the problem for me. Now, there's other issues. Blake isn't playing well. We're dropping passes. We're not protecting. So um, 
I guess I'm not surprised by the offense because of the injuries. The defense, I'm surprised to a degree. Uh, the problem is they've been on the field a lot. You know, our, our, our offense can't stay on the field. Uh, even the best of defenses, uh, if they're out there too much at, you know, eventually uh, they're going to get beat a little bit. Uh, teams are running against us, which is a little bit of surprise. But our pass defense has been impressive. Not a, not a surprise there. But listen, it, we've we've got to we've got to turn things around in a hurry. All right. So the, the the question, of course, is how how do you how do you turn it around? Getting Leonard Fournette back should help if he does come back at some point. Does his presence make that much of a difference in what the offense can and will do? Cole, I hope his presence makes that much of a difference. But if you want to be an effective running back, you have to have an effective O-line. And we don't we don't have that. Uh, we do need to get healthy. Um, I think the one thing, two things that are in our favor. One, the team gets a chance to get away from it for a while. Recharge your batteries, uh, regroup, whatever you want to call it. Get away from football a little bit. Come back ready to go. And then two, the schedule gets a little lighter. You know, other than uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, there's not a, a, a dominant offense like a Kansas City uh, or, a, or a Dallas or a Philly, um, an offense that could really hurt us. All these teams, I, I think, are beatable teams. Uh, Pittsburgh will be tough. I think the Redskins will be tough. But, but who knows? You know, it, it, can we make a run? Absolutely. But uh, uh, to a degree, that would be surprising as well. One of the things that I think about is how a team's mentality sort of operates at this time of year. If you're in it, if the Jaguars had beaten Philly, they're four and four, it's a whole different mm -hmm. thought process. Right now, you know, you trade away Dante Fowler, uh, you don't know exactly, you know, that's sort of a sign that, well, if they felt like they were competing, maybe you keep them around, even though you're pretty sure you're not gonna bring them back the following year. But here's a team that had these high expectations. And it reminds me a lot, I'll jog your memory a little bit, of the 2000 season, coming off the 99 AFC Championship game. You had high expectations, so you can come back, compete again. Mid-season, when things were starting to look like the playoffs weren't a possibility, what what happens to the sort of mindset of players in the locker room? You know, the, the mindset uh, when you're a struggling team, it, it has to be this. You have to focus on, uh, on getting one win. You, you can't look down the road. You can't look at the standings. And this team right now, they need one win, all right? So that puts us at, at, at four and five. That's not too bad. Three and six, um, that could be real, real difficult. Unless you, you play long enough, you go through seasons where, listen, it doesn't work out. Your team gets beat up. You don't get a few breaks. You, you're not playing real well for whatever reason. Um, you hang in there. Um, you, you try not to get negative, point fingers. If you're making mistakes, you own those mistakes and do your best to come together. You hope the leadership steps up. And uh, you just kind of, you fight, Cole. You just fight together and play one game at a time. The two things that concern me the most right now, obviously the injuries are a big part of it, but it's that Doug Marone is saying that the, his message isn't getting through. And I wonder how much that is not just about his message to the players, but his communication, his expectation to Nathaniel Hackett, the offensive coordinator. You've got a guy, you know, Marone said in the week leading up to the Philly game, he wanted his team to get back to being, to get back to the basics, do the physical things that, that he wants his team to do. And they go about and they call nine running plays. Mm -hmm. uh, is there a disconnect right now between the head coach and the offensive coordinator? I, I think going into the Philly game, uh, it was pretty clear what they wanted to do. They want to be more physical and get back to the running game, back to their identity. But I found early on, I think they found early on, this wasn't going to work. Our offensive line against Philly's defensive line, it wasn't going to work. They had some a measure of balance in the run-pass game in the first half. It didn't lead to, to enough points. They come out in the third quarter, they start throwing around, they're moving the ball a little bit. So um, they know what they want to be. 
They know what they'd like to be, but without Leonard and without a solid offensive line, um, it's it's really hard to get there. And they need to get healthy this this obviously this uh, uh, bye week. Um, and they maybe they get Leonard for is that enough? I, I don't know, Cole. It's it, it's tough, but they <laughs> somehow they got to find a way to beat the Colts. Yeah, good news is it's the Colts, a team that's struggling as well. But can we beat the Colts? Well, I mean, Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck. The offensive line is protecting him. They're moving the ball, putting some points on the board. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know you can pick the Jaguars to win any game right now on the yes. schedule and say, yeah, we know that that's a Jaguars win, which is different than what it was when the season began when you could start saying, yeah, that's a win, that's a win, that's a win, and all those games have not necessarily panned out. Uh, well, it's the bye week, so mm -hmm. we'll say goodbye. All right, goodbye. All right, thanks so much for listening to Teal the Podcast. We're on iTunes, we're on Stitcher, on Spotify, and we're on Google Play. Uh, you can uh, check my Twitter to find the links for all of those. And uh, please subscribe, and we'll have more on the Jaguars as the season progresses. For Mark Brunel, Cole Pepper saying thanks for listening to Teal the Podcast. Talk to you next week.